This is Sarah Stewart-Holland. And this is Beth Silvers. Thank you for joining us for Pantsuit Politics. Hello and happy Halloween. Thank you for joining us at Pantsuit Politics, where we take a different approach to the news. Often, that approach is seasonal. We can chase the headlines every day, but sometimes it's important to take a pause on the daily grind of crisis and look for bigger themes. Since today is Halloween, we wanted to talk about that season, including commemorating the dead, how we all think about the presence of evil, and we're going to let Doja Cat lead the way, y'all. We're going to let Doja Cat lead the way. And, of course, outside of politics, we'll talk about the holiday of Halloween itself and how we're celebrating. I love telling my kids about my job and saying, like, today I'm researching Doja Cat just for my show. It's for (laughs) work. It's for work. And often the work that we get to do is so fun and stimulating and interesting that you can't even believe it's your job. If you are not already a premium member, we hope that you will join us. We have many fascinating conversations there. This week, we are speaking with a top content creator on OnlyFans. A listener who does this as her work offered to share her experience with us after Sarah's conversation over the summer about sex work. It was a very illuminating discussion. This listener was so vulnerable and generous in talking about her time and experience. You're not going to want to miss it. It is available to $15 premium members, and we hope that you'll come check it out. And yes, we had a false alarm with my appearance on You and Me Both, Hillary Clinton's podcast. They do they did what we always do, which is, oh, no, the news is requiring a change in the calendar, in the content calendar. So they moved up a podcast, but today is the day. I will be on Hillary Clinton's podcast. I've not heard the edit. It might just be me for like 30 seconds. I don't know, but I can't wait to hear either way. Either way, I got to hang out with her for an hour on Zoom. That's actually all that matters to me. Well, I'm very excited for you, and I'm excited to continue to reflect on some strange themes with you here today on this show and on our premium channels. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15.
summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy beet treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. episode comes out on Halloween. Beth, I love Halloween, but I love the next two holidays in the liturgical calendar even more, which are All Saints Day and All Souls Day, where we commemorate the lives that have been lost over the previous year. And I'm choking up a little bit because we lost a celebrity, an actor, a friend who was very important to a lot of people. Matthew Perry over the weekend, a really, really heartbreaking loss. He played Chandler on Friends, a blockbuster sitcom that became a part of our culture, became a part of our psyches, lives on famously with Gen Z, who still watches reruns today. He was very public with his struggle with addiction, and he died over the weekend at the age of 54. We commemorated All Saints Day at my church on Sunday with a candle lighting ceremony for all of our church members who have passed away over the last year. It was a lot. When you see a table full of candles like that, it makes you realize how much a year contains. And then when you think about what a small population is represented on that table of candles, mm-hmm. it's hard to think about. And losing Matthew Perry, in one sense, I try to remember he's one candle on that table. Mm-hmm. No less, no more. At the same time, he was a fixture of a certain formative period of my life. I was crazy about Chandler Bing. I loved that sense of humor. I loved that way of being. I had just a random episode of Friends on while I folded laundry the other day, which is something I never do. And I was noticing for the first time how frequently they hugged each other, this group of friends. Mm. Not romantically, just hugs. And I said to Chad, before we got this news about Matthew Perry, man, we don't hug enough around here. Like, We hug a lot in our house, but with friends, it was just, it was nice to see. It just felt good to watch them hugging each other. And I think there are lots of little cues like that 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 made this group so beloved that I've never even parsed out. I have really appreciated his openness about his struggle with disease. It, It hurts me. And it's hard to even talk about him as Chandler knowing that he couldn't go back and watch it because he just Mm. saw his addiction and he saw the the horror that he was going through as they filmed these episodes that brought so much joy to so many people, including me. And I really value that he has said, you know, because I was Chandler, I can help a lot more people. So I'm trying to do that. And that he really tried to build this legacy of helping people recover. And I will forever think about him saying that the thing that you have to avoid is alone because the the disease waits for you. 
He said something like it it does one-armed push-ups just waiting for you to be alone because that's when mm. it's going to come in and, and get you. It's it's a symbol of something that so many people face in so many different forms across the country. And, and I think that's part of why lighting that candle for Matthew Perry is even harder. I mean, I think between being a part of a piece of pop culture that was such a behemoth and sharing the struggle with addiction that has also become quite the behemoth in American life. Those those two pieces of his life really bonded him in a parasocial way, of course, because we didn't know him in our real lives, but bonded him to so many people, like even people who weren't big Friends fans. You know, I watched Friends. I loved Friends, but I've never watched a rerun. I'm not a person who, like, is still very devoted to it. But obviously, I knew about his struggle and was rooting for him. I just think that's what's so heartbreaking. I think so many of us were rooting for him, especially after the reunion special and sort of the the conversation that arose um, out of that. And I just, you know, I I don't apologize for being heartbroken when celebrities die. I just don't. I don't think that's a fair or kind critique. Artist really become a part of us. Their art becomes a part of us. Um, that that connection you feel with someone, the connection people feel with us when we're in their ears all the time. I mean, we talked about that with Deuce. We talked about that with Rachel Held Evans. Like when someone creates something that helps you feel seen or helps you feel less alone, that's beautiful and important. And when that person is gone, it should break your heart. And I think I always love All Souls Day because, you know, that the grief is so acute in the beginning. Um, but having the ability and the the ritual once a year to say it's still there. The love is still there and the grief is still there is so important. And I feel like we don't create enough spaces in life to do that. So I value the ones that we do because I think we we hold it in our hearts, but it's such a a solitary feeling that when we can come together and say, we're all carrying grief and love for people we've lost, all of us, all the time. Um, it's just really, really important and really valuable, especially when the world is particularly hard and particularly full of grief at this moment. Yeah. You know, I would not say that Matthew Perry made me feel seen or understood or or shaped me Um in the kinds of ways that people like Deuce and Rachel Held Evans, you know, it, it's a different relationship to me. I still think it's sad. If, like people who he just entertained me, you know, he just mm. did. And that's beautiful. And that's a gift. And when celebrities die, especially celebrities who you think of as your contemporary, it yeah. just sheds that light on where you are in life. It makes me think of the, the chat we had with Jennifer Sr. about how as you get into middle age, everything comes just a little bit tinged with sadness, like because it's that is just about 30 percent of your life at this point is heartbreak. Yeah. And that's if you're lucky. That's if everything is going mm -hmm. great. And I do think losing someone like Matthew Perry, who was such a gifted entertainer, even in this period of his life that was so hard on him and th that took so much from him. As everything else is so heavy and hard, uh, it, it, it takes a little bit from an escape valve 
Because I know mm. a lot of people who still watch Friends, who watch The yeah. Office, who watch Parks and Rec, to go to these spaces and times of life mentally that were less complicated than this one right. now. And when those folks start passing away, it adds some of that heartbreak to those experiences. And that's tough. That's a loss. It's so true. You know, Almost Famous is like one of our most favorite movies of all time. And I don't think I watched it for 10 years because I was so heartbroken when Philip Seymour Hoffman died. And the same with The Sopranos. I really want to watch it again. I think it's one of the best TV shows that's ever been made. And I'm still really, really sad that James Gandolfini died. And so it's hard, like, do I want to watch it? Because the whole time I'm thinking, oh, James Gandolfini. It really, it's so true. It really does take a piece of it and make it really bittersweet. It just pulls you out of it. It pulls you out of it and reminds you that, oh, they were real people. They're not just this incredible character that I connected with. But, you know, we did watch Almost Famous recently with my 14-year-old, and it was a beautiful experience because he connected with it. And I'm so happy that that he loved it. That's like the best. And that's the thing. It's like when they when you create something beautiful, like it will be sad to watch Friends for a while, um, but not forever, hopefully. I don't think Matthew Perry would want that. Yeah. I still get choked up when I hear an Amy Winehouse song. And I love her music. I think I her voice it. is a marvel. And in some ways, like the music is has always been there from her to be rich and layered. It was tragic as it was being made, you know? But just it's just another layer of life added on to these things that, that people made. In. Well, it's very intense when you realize people will interact with the art and never know them as alive. Like, it's... I feel the same way about Amy Winehouse. I've never watched the documentary about her life, even though I'm a massive fan, because I just... I can't. I can't watch the... I can't watch... I was there. I remember. Like, yeah. I don't need to relive her downfall and her crumbling. Like, it was heartbreaking at the time. I don't mean more detail to make it even more heartbreaking. And I feel that way about Whitney Houston. Like, Whitney Houston has become something to people. Like, they just, like, use her music all the time on Peloton. And I think, like, oh, well, that's because she's, you don't, you didn't live through it. Like, you didn't watch her and root for her and want her to be okay so desperately. And, see, and live when she was at her peak, when you could you could listen to that voice and know that she was like out there going to sing more, like just existing in that true perfection. It's so hard because it's like she's just becoming like a like a and I mean, I guess it's beautiful in a way, too. Like she's becoming just this beautiful voice to people. But it's hard. It's hard to realize like the art lives on and the real person really fades into the background. You know, I've talked before about my love of 60 songs that explain the 90s. And Rob Harvella has been on our show and I'm such a fan of his. And often, you know, he confronts this issue all the time of a tragic too soon mm. end of life for someone who is very, very famous and contributed a lot culturally. And often he will say, I want to just leave this person right here at this shining pinnacle mm. moment. And that gets back to the the lighting of candles to me. That you just have to trust that what you leave here is is that flame. And uh, hopefully that flame over time gets to be the most beautiful contribution you made. And the rest gets to sort of fall away. And, and I hope that that's what's happening. As I watch my middle school daughter and her friends adore I Want to Dance with Somebody, I hope that's what's happening for Whitney Houston. And I hope as everyone talks about how hard Matthew Perry worked to pull other people out of addiction with him. Whatever details emerge about his death, I hope that his his flame gets to be that generosity of spirit that he exhibited. 
to people fighting the same difficulties that he was. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. Hi. 
Hi, this is Maggie. Before we continue today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that Sarah and Beth talk about the difference between real sexual abuse scandals and the satanic panic in the next segment, and we wanted to give you a heads up since we know this is a sensitive topic and encourage you to take care as needed. All right, enjoy the rest of the episode. Beth, I was driving, I was listening to the radio as I want to do from time to time when I don't want to get out my phone and select something to listen to. Just tell me what to listen to. 96.9. Thank you so much. And Doja Cat's Paint the Town Red came on. Such a bop. Such a freaking bop. Comes on. I'm like, first, I'm like, this should be interesting. <laughs> there are very many cuss words in this song. How's this going to work on radio? Chorus comes on, and this is what I hear. And I thought, hold up, wait a second. What did I just hear? <laughs> Beth, they bleeped out devil. Discuss. When you said this to us in Voxer, I thought, no, they didn't. And I had to go back and listen a couple of times. I was really surprised because... I don't know. This is no disrespect to Doja Cat and her artistic contributions, okay? But, like, when I see a video of her or a photo or or listen to her lyrics, it all strikes me as, like, like with like it's coming with a wink. Like, it's kind of hilarious. Like, she's just kind of trying yeah. to say, like, all right, we'll just, like, let's just keep pushing this, okay? But I I don't know. It never comes across in a menacing way to me. And I'm pretty pearl clutchy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I could interpret menace, I think, if menace were there. But so it was it was shocking to me the devil came out. I know. And I thought, well, in some ways, look, there have been very many artists, including Doja Cat, who plays a lot with her image who pushes not only her critics, but her fans. She will straight up get into fights with her fans. She does not care, okay? That have been playing with this imagery. We had Little Nas X in his video for Montero, where he he gives, he go, he takes a pole down to, to the hill. He gives Satan a lap dance. And then I think he kills Satan and takes his crown for himself. And listen, Doja Cat's videos, the they're, they're kind of scary. Like, the demons in her video are, like, legit. Like, they're not, like, winky kind of campy, like in Little Nas X videos. They're legit. And then, of course, we have Kim Petra and Sam Smith. They did this big Grammy performance. I watched it live that night. Did you see the performance of Unholy? I did not watch it live, but I have seen it since. Well, and it's like, of course, you guys, the song is called Unholy. Unholy. Also Mm -hmm. a bop. But it's like they're dressed in red. There's lots of pole dancing. People have devil ears on. So, like, this is a... um, an aesthetic that has gotten a lot of attention. But I thought, what exactly? Even if you have a a big problem with this, okay? Even if you think this is too far, there's too much satanic imagery, whatever. Like, what do you think bleeping the word devil is going to accomplish exactly? More interest in what they're doing. Exactly. Is the answer. I mean, that's the, the only realistic answer. And that's why... I just don't pay much attention to any of this. I do see it as an aesthetic. Even her kind of scary videos still feel like they have a wink behind them to me. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there is some kind of underlying 
message there that is trying to draw people into a cause. I guess maybe because the world is heavy and scary enough. I just don't find any of this worrying on any level. Well, I think what's interesting to me and what I do think is important, and I don't know if it's worrying, but I think your use of the word menace is correct. I think Doja Cat and Kim Petra, who's a trans artist, and Little Nas X, who took so much heat when he first came out for like having a country song and being openly gay, the menace they feel um, is as LGBTQ artists. And I think they're not the first ones to say, oh, you you feel menaced? Okay, well, then let's play with that a little bit. Let's deal with that menace you feel because I'm saying things about sexuality and gender that you don't like. You know, I was reading some of the history that we're going to get into with the, the satanic panic in the 80s. And, you know, when Tipper Gore came out and made her like filthy 15, so many of them were artists that were playing with gender and sexuality. And so it's like, I think that's what's, so interesting. It's really not concerned parents who are worried what that your child is going to turn into a Satanist, or are you worried that your child is going to have ideas around sexuality that make you uncomfortable? Yeah, one hundred percent. I guess the Satan imagery to me is so unthreatening because this was such a part of our childhood. Because people have been talking about devil worshippers and me- heavy metal and music. And this kind of imagery and the danger of a Ouija board, like as long as I've been alive, Ellen said to me over the weekend, my third grader, did you know that if you play this Billie Eilish song backwards, you hear satanic lyrics? I was like, honey. Oh, here we go. We're going to play them backwards again. People have been saying this about everything my entire life. It is so dumb. I love it. Just roll your eyes and move on. You know, and that's how I feel. I guess because we're buying records again, so you could actually play them backwards because how the hell are you going to do that so. on Spotify? I don't know. That, that's why I was like, I, I wanted to probe where this was coming from, but I thought that would make it more interesting to her, so I left it alone. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right that that the panic everywhere right now is about gender and has been. Like, that was the underlying thread going back to the the satanic panic of our childhoods, too. So let's go back to that because history rhymes. And there are some consistent threads, I think, around the satanic panic of the 1980s. If you have not heard of this, congrats. It was wild. Okay, it was a time in the 80s. There was a lot of cultural undercurrents that I think are not irrelevant today. Women were going back to work. Um, You see women's labor numbers returning to pre-COVID levels. There was a lack of good daycare. It's hard to find. It was expensive. That also sounds very familiar. And I think the most interesting piece in the 80s is that they, after decades of sort of pretending that sexual abuse didn't exist, you were starting to get real attention to the issue of sexual abuse, especially involving children. And again, what have we been dealing with over the last few years? Larry Nasser, Jerry Sandusky, these issues of like, I mean, honestly, like a conspiracy to hide or deny prolific sexual abuse, right? And church scandals. And church Hor- scandals, you know, Horrifying right. church scandals. And so you had you had people freaking out where, I mean, hundreds of people, particularly this one daycare in Manhattan Beach, they arrested five people, accusing them of satanic rituals and abusing children in the daycare. But you had like hundreds of people swept up in this. I was reading an article this morning. They, the prosecutor's office in California spent $15 million going after these daycare people that were ultimately completely acquitted. They're still in Texas. Like as recently as this summer, 
overturning convictions related to this period of time. There were thousands of people across the country who were charged and arrested and tried and some convicted. And and since those those convictions have been overturned, people have been exonerated. But this was massive. Well, Beth, hold on a second now before we get into this even further. I do think we need to take a quick time out and establish some foundational beliefs between you and I. Do you believe in Satan? No. Same. Do you believe in demons? No. Same. See, that I think might be our fundamental problem here. And our inability to articulate this panic well. Right. Mm -hmm. To join the panic is because I'm not panicked about Satan because I don't think Satan or the devil exists. It's not that I don't believe in the in evil acts, um, right. but I do not believe in like demonic forces out there working on us. But like people do. People do. Like people really, really do. I believe in darkness. Can I say that? Like I believe in darkness okay. and I believe okay. in our inability to fully understand our brains. And I believe in our inability to control large sections of our brains and what they do. And I believe in evil acts and I believe in selfishness and greed and, you know, and and all forms of elevating your ego over others in very destructive ways. But do I believe in like horned beings that are pulling strings in society? I do not. Right. I think it's that the presence of power. It's the presence of something that's like organized, strategic, and powerful that will take the, like, sort of regular bad behavior of humans and elevate it to something even scarier, right? And look, in a lot of these articles I read, there was a researcher, and he polled people. 25% of Americans polled thought that satanic ritual abuse was widespread across America. 33% said that members of satanic cults were regularly abusing thousands of children every year. And 28% said that there was a secret gay agenda to convert children to gay or trans lifestyles. So, like, you put all that together, and then Doja Cat comes along, and it's like, well, you better bleep out devil because they're out to get our kids. In some senses, I wish that I believed that all the child abuse that happens could be connected to a supernatural being instead of grappling with the fact that children are most often abused by people who are supposed to love them and protect them. Exactly. You know, I, I wish that I believed that we were engaged in this constant good versus evil struggle. That seems easier to me than what I believe we are actually immersed in all the time. So I don't mean to be condescending about people who view this differently than I do. And certainly, Mm -hmm. you know, from a theological perspective, I know that I am like in a real different place than lots of other Christians. It is just not it is just not my perspective that that we can attribute the bad things happening to a ritualistic, organized cabal (laughs) of people who who worship some some kind of darkness in the world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's got some real QAnon. QAnon has like revitalized a lot of this. And I don't think that QAnon is unrelated to the anti-LGBTQ legislation we see. I don't think QAnon is unrelated to, you know, like it's easy to say like, well, I can see Doja Cat like a wink and a nod. But like you have people out there and not just Marjorie Taylor Greene, but like Ben Shapiro saying this is a direct quote from Ben Shapiro. The elite in our society are fully in line with the ideology of satanic fealty expressed by Smith and Petrus. What? 
Yeah. I mean, the Daily Wire is pouring a ton of money into creating children's programming because they think that there is a desperate need for a different message to reach our kids. Like, I think all these things do go together. Okay, And look, I'm not listening. I don't think Doja Cat is out there trying to do charity work. Okay, in in the same way that a hundred percent Madonna wasn't doing charity work when she wrote like a prayer and filmed that video. Right. They are artists. They are trying to provoke. They are trying to articulate and they're trying to sell records. So, you know, like I'm not I don't want to put them up on a pedestal. Some of this I thought I mean, I thought the performance was over the top and like kind of ridiculous. But, you know, (laughs) I read one article where they like interviewed like some head person in the satanic church. And he was like, it was just meh. Like, I didn't think they (laughs) I did learn that the satanic church doesn't actually worship Satan nor do they believe in God or the devil. They're opposed to anything supernatural and all spirituality with no belief in the afterlife. They think one of their okay. key tenets is that individuals are their own gods. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that either. I guess I just kind of am at this place in my life where I am really comfortable with a lot of things not being for me. Yeah. I think Doja Cat is fascinating. I think her music is catchy. You listen to it. It kind of sticks in there. I'm just not going to start. I'm not going to seek it out in my life. Like, it's fine. I'm not mad at her. I don't have any particular feelings whatsoever. And that's just kind of how I feel when I hear, like, this is what Satanists do. Okay. People believe a lot of things. I believe a lot of things that sound very weird if you describe them in just clinical terms. Like, whatever. We're all just doing our best here. It does make me sad, though, because I do feel like, like you said, it's a type of worldview that can seem innocuous. It can seem... But I don't even think it seems innocuous to people believe it. People who believe in QAnon don't think it's innocuous. They think the world is on the line. And it's just a hop, skip, and a jump before you're the moms for liberty and the stakes are so high. It's not just our kids. It's Satan. It's evil. It's the people who want to destroy America. And it's like, this is this is like the stock of the stew that creates really dangerous political situations. And I just think those dangerous political situations are going to be created in the name of all kinds of things, right? Like, I did not at all appreciate seeing a photo of our new Speaker of the House surrounded by some of his compatriots kneeling in prayer on the House floor. Oh, I do not think that's good or healthy or appropriate. And I am a Christian who prays. I prayed in my church this weekend. For the congregation. I believe in prayer, but I don't think that that's the right place or way to do it. And a lot of what is done in the name of whether you're talking about moral panic or culture war or save the children or whatever, I find very destructive and harmful. And so anytime I am in a place of feeling a righteous sense of certainty, I try to like walk myself back from it because, you know, but for a pause, go I. (laughs) And I just, I think there are plenty of places where serious, consequential things are happening. And if I am relying only on my faith to help me answer those questions, I think I'm missing something. And I think if I am part of a group and I'm finding my identity and belonging through just criticizing someone else's faith or someone else's beliefs about the world, that's not great either. I don't know. I just feel like I need to hold all this very lightly. Well, and, you know, I kind of get in this space where I'm like, it doesn't matter. But I also make the argument that, like, 
advertising and culture does matter and it is important and we are working out something and they don't spend millions of dollars on these videos and these songs because they don't matter, right? Like, I think that's the tough part. The tough part is to say to someone, hey, can you articulate why you need the word devil bleeped? And let's talk about what's underneath that. Like, let's like, I'm not saying it's irrelevant. I'm not saying that Doja Cat is not trying to poke some people and in maybe unfair ways. I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm here to defend that that's a bop because it is. It's a hell of a good song. I do search it out because it is catchy and good. But that doesn't mean I agree with everything she does. It doesn't mean that I don't think sometimes these videos are over the top in ways that aren't helpful. I'm not going to make it illegal. But it's not I don't also don't want my kids watching it all the time. You know, like I don't really want to wa- have my kids watching little Nas X give Satan a lap dance. Like, no, that's not like at the top of my list of things I want them taking in. Right. But uh, we have to be able to calibrate that. Like, I think we have to say, you know, even way back in the day with like a prayer, which seems so sweet these days, you know, like. But isn't there something there like where something that used to be shocking doesn't get our attention anymore. Like, what's next? If 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 eventually even a reference to Satan won't get anyone's attention, which I think it barely did, then what are we going to do next to, to shock? If that's a part of pop culture, if that's a part of this progression, I think it's worth asking, like, do we like where this is headed? Do we want to keep going in this direction? Not because I think we should shame these artists or bleep the word devil, because I think that's dumb. But, like, I'm I'm willing to engage with people and say, hey, I get that you're concerned about what your kids are taking in. We're all concerned about the safety of our kids. It is scary to, to see these stories about trusted figures who were sexually abusing kids while their parents were in the room. That's terrifying. But I don't think channeling all that into QAnon or Comet Pizza is the way to go. Let's talk about that. Because part, but what, what, because what people want, do not want to hear is, I can't promise you that we will prevent this forever in the future. What they want to hear is, yeah, if we get the right person, we'll shut this down. Be it Doja Cat, be it, you know, whoever's in charge of the Democratic Party, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear like, no, there's no way to assure that nothing bad or harmful will ever happen to your kids in a 1980s daycare all the way through to a, a gymnastics doctor's office. Right. And I just think that that's acknowledging people's fear without promising something you can't promise is really hard. I don't know the answers to any of these questions with the Internet. I don't know how you continue to be shocking with the Internet. It it feels to me like we've run out of ways to be shocking, but perhaps not. Perhaps I'm just not creative enough to imagine. Shouldn't have said that out loud. (laughs) The next version, you're right. And I don't know as a parent. You know, we were just having this conversation with friends over dinner last night. Like, to what extent do you try to prevent your kids from hearing, seeing, saying offensive things versus trying to walk them through how to engage with those things in the world. For the most part, that's the choice that Chad and I make. We don't strongly restrict the kinds of movies our girls watch or the kind of music that they listen to. We took them to a Lizzo concert. You know what I mean? Like we're we're very free with what they engage with because we try to engage with them and then talk it over. Well, hey, that use of that word here is lazy. That's rude. This was not this was not a good movie that was like too much violence for no reason. It didn't even advance the story. You know what I mean? We try to teach them to just think about what they've seen and what it means to them. 
and where sexual things come up. We just try to use that as an opportunity to do some education. Do you think those were good choices? That seems like not a great choice to me. How did it make you feel? You know, we, we try to just deal with all of it, not serve them up deliberately with things that are not age appropriate, uh, but we are much less protective than other parents. And for me, that is just because of the internet. I just feel like I get a limited period of time with them and there is such a barrage now. The best I can do is say, let's talk about how you interact with this stuff because you're gonna interact with all manner of things. Again, things that I cannot even imagine yet that are to provoke you, to shock you, to frighten you. So let's just work on the you that handles that instead of trying to screen what comes to you. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I had a, I had one of my boys walk out of Five Nights at Freddy. He thought he found it too scary. We didn't go. I thought it's PG-13. Surely it's okay. That's not usually my choice. I'm usually pretty. I'm actually, I edge more towards protective because I do think media is very powerful. And so, I mean, we only started watching live action movies like <laughs> a couple years ago. We were like a cartoon only family. Because, you know, you watch a couple 80s movies and you're like, Lord in heaven, why were they letting us watch this in elementary school? And so I really do try to kind of watch it. And really what I'm paying attention to is not sex or cussing or drug and alcohol use. Really what I'm paying attention to a lot with media is just the intensity of what is in the storyline. Because I just see that my kids don't have the capacity to handle a lot of that intensity right now. And I don't want them to. I'm not trying to teach them to handle stuff that they don't need to be able to handle right now. But it's such a hard line to walk. I'm, I don't censor music. I don't censor books. I have some stuff that I'm like, eh, whatever. But visually, I think visually, like I just because I was such a visual kid, I do think a lot about that. But it's really hard. It's really hard because they're taking in so much media. And like you said, like, are we protecting them? Are we teaching them? I think the satanic panic comes up because people are trying to protect them. When you are when you are bleeping the word devil. There is a misplaced emphasis on protection. I can say that because it's like, what do you think they hear at school? Like, you <laughs> think that's a word they don't hear? I don't understand. Um, but like, you know, call me a fuddy-duddy. I don't mind that they bleep the word bitch. I cuss a lot, but I don't necessarily want to hear that word all the time, everywhere, everywhere I go. Like, I even struggled with some of the cussing in Ted Lasso. So I'm like, Dan, this is just a sitcom, man. Like, can we just have a sitcom without the F word every other? And I use it prolifically in my own life. And so I can't even explain to you why sometimes I'm like, was that necessary? <laughs> you know what? That relates to me with your comment about the intensity. As you were saying that, my kids opt out as soon as the intensity gets to be too much for them. They will walk away from something if they're not enjoying. And they will sometimes say like, oh, too much cussing in this song. That's silly. You know what I mean? And I felt the same way sometimes about Ted Lasso. Just too much. What's the point of this? Yeah. I always felt like Shit's Creek got it about right. Yeah. You know, it wasn't prudish in any way, but the spirit of it always stayed pretty light. It didn't get too heavy handed. Mm -hmm in any particular dimension. And I get that, like, we each just have a different barometer for that stuff. And I think that's fine. I think when you have someone leaning into the the Satanist side, when you have a political movement leaning into, hey, Wayfair is probably storing kids God's in these warriors, furniture you know. boxes. You know, when you see people who are who are trying to dial it all the way up to take that intensity, I think that's a great a great framing that you have to take that intensity all the way up. I feel like my kids naturally reject that stuff. 
And that feels good to me. And I try to be a person who naturally rejects it, too, and practices rejecting it. Well, and it's just we have an intense media environment, right? That's why I listen to the radio quaintly some days, just so that I don't have to decide. I think this is related to at least one reported article a week about Americans not engaging with news anymore. Yeah. The intensity from news and politics is too high and people don't want it and they're rejecting it. And that is extremely consequential for a pluralistic democracy trying to continue to function. But I get it because I turn on a podcast sometimes or certainly the news on television and think, no, I don't want that. Well, and look, that's a this is an important moment as we wrap up this conversation about uh, satanic panic that sometimes comes with a wink and a nod, depending on which side you're talking about, to say, like, that's why we chose this conversation today, because it is intense out there and we cannot swim in the intensity 24-7. And that doesn't mean some people aren't forced to. Of course they are. Of course they are. But their suffering is not reduced one iota by me saying, I must try to coexist with their suffering 24 hours a day because I think it it reduces our ability to call people to the table when it matters. If we don't take a time out, if we don't give a break, if we don't acknowledge, hey, we can't all do this all day, every day, then when we need people's attention, we don't have it. I've been quoting my husband a lot recently um, <laughs> because we were talking about an online writer who we both have a lot of respect for, but like sort of the turn their writing has taken is just you know, a lot of intensity all the time. And he said, everything can't be about everything. And I thought, that's it. When everything is about everything, everything is about nothing. And that's when I try to, like, walk that balance with our coverage here. And the other piece for me of taking a second to talk about your your beliefs about the world and death. I mean, I, I just think there's a there's a current happening right now where people are way, way into Halloween. And that just doesn't surprise me on the other side of COVID, where mortality is in your face. And it doesn't surprise me when there are at least two wars that dominate our news coverage. When everything is about everything or when you set your sights only on the gigantic, on only on the global, you lose people mm-hmm. because even the most privileged among us are in the midst of everyday grief and everyday confrontation of their own mortality and everyday meaning-making about the world. And I, I think just remembering that every person is ultimately a candle on that table, navigating their own stuff is, is helpful. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth breezes tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin. So it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earth breeze sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, 
Gotta love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack, flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Well, that's a good transition to outside of politics where we are going to talk about Halloween. Happy Halloween, Zara. Beth, happy Halloween. It's a fun one. I love Halloween. I've always loved Halloween. I was thinking about the Halloweens of my childhood before we had the internet, before you had, you know, endless DIY options, before you could Amazon any sort of branded costume you wanted. And some of my more hilarious childhood Halloween costumes. One year, I'm going to put this picture on Instagram because I think y'all will enjoy it. One year, I dressed up as a rich lady. I was rich for Halloween. That's, That's what I fun. dressed up as. I wore like a little a little fur canvas. And then one year, I was a hopo. I was really playing with issues of class as an elementary school kid on Halloween. Let me tell you what. We have pictures of me as a hobo as well, singing in a talent show with a friend. Hobo was popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Halloween is much more of an adult celebration for me than when I was a kid because I lived in a really rural area and trick-or-treating is a whole different scene when you get in your car and go to like four or five houses. But 
I do have memories of the costumes that my mom made for me. My mom was a very gifted sewer, and she made some incredibly beautiful things for me as a kid. I can get choked up really fast thinking about my mom's hands and the way that she used them and her creativity and her time um, to give me all these gifts that I wouldn't have had access to otherwise because of money and because of the internet and, you know, just availability and where we lived. And it makes me smile to think about what she did for me to give me these pretty fantastic costumes for my four or five house trick-or-treating <laughs> during Halloween. Oh, yeah. Lisa's shiny moment. She threw her back out and she moved her sewing machine into our kitchen and stood up at the kitchen counter and made me the most beautiful Scarlett O'Hara costume. Now, I will not be sharing that picture online because Gone with the Wind is deeply problematic. But this was the 80s, and I was obsessed with it. Um, and, I mean, she, like, took hula hoops apart and put together, like, a big old giant hoop skirt. It was, oh, I thought I was the queen of everything in that costume. And it is kind of a relief to me that I can just order a costume for my kids. But also there are moments when I think, man... I wish we were problem solving this a little bit more. There were some good lessons in trying to put our Halloween costumes together. We did get to do that here this morning. Ellen's school does a, a book character day for Halloween. And she has just a g very generic detective costume this year. The truth is she found a headband that she liked and designed the rest of her <laughs> look around the headband. But she couldn't like fit it into book character to her satisfaction. So this morning, I just said, hey, what what characters in books do you really like? If you just name like a character that you love from a book, who is it? And she said, Charlotte from Charlotte's Web. And so we are very quickly last minute DIYing a spider, which is fun. That's been great. It doesn't feel pressured. It doesn't feel expensive. I'm not running around buying things today. So we're getting a little bit of that quainter Halloween of my childhood with book character day. Well, it's so funny you say that because Griffin, he's participating in our family costume, but him and his friends are then changing into this costume to match this internet video. Please don't ask me about it. I don't understand it or recognize it. But he's been so into making this costume. They ordered matching capes. He, like, spent all last night making his mask and putting the lights where they want to go. Because he could, he likes this part. He likes to pick obscure, like, sort of internet videos or memes that you, like, you can't just pop on Amazon and order that costume. You have to like sort of make it and match it. And then, you know, there'll be like two or three people out on Halloween who will recognize who he is. And he loves it. And I think it's so fun. I mean, that's the best part of Halloween is being able to craft, you know, a costume or an identity that you haven't tried on, but that you love that maybe some people will recognize or maybe they don't. I mean, I feel like you're doing Halloween right if not everybody recognizes who you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the fun part. Mm -hmm. Um and it's been so fun to watch him. Like, he spent all last night, like, putting this together, figuring out how to make the mask work and how he could see. And and when he came out and it was all together, he's like, doesn't it look great? He was, like, so excited. That's really fun to see in a high school freshman. That is fun. I love that. I can't wait to see pictures of, of both of his looks. You won't recognize it, but I will share That's them fine. with I don't you. You'll be like, who that? I'll be like, I don't know. Um, but he's so excited. I'm sure that it's a credit to him that an old lady like me will not recognize his costume, right? Right, exactly. As he has he has repeatedly informed me, I'm mid, which I find very insulting, but that is a different outside of <laughs> politics. Um, so yeah, we are all getting dressed up. We're so excited. We have a Halloween parade in my neighborhood. I have a neighbor who always hosts like lots of food and dinner. It's just, it is really one of my most favorite nights of the year. And best part, 
It just got really cold, Beth. Yeah. It's going to be like 48 degrees. That's my peak temp out there on Halloween tonight. Good for you, not for me. I'm not thrilled about it being quite so cold, but it'll be fine. I mean, when it's the 80s, it's so gross. When it's a hot Halloween, I got a mosquito bite on Halloween one year, and I was mad the rest of the I year. I hear you. I just think a good 60, 55 would be fine. No, that's too hot. No, it's got to be cold. Remember those Halloweens of your childhood where you were, like, freezing your butt off the whole time? It's like, that's a vibe. I don't love that feeling. It's just not <sighs> for me. But we I are going to have a fire out, which will be nice. And that's we'll a good be idea. We wrapped up that. and we're going to uh, grill hot dogs. That was Elise's idea to grill hot that's dogs smart. for some passing by trick-or-treaters. Our audience came through with the like no candy ideas, like just so many, so many good ideas. And our neighbors are going to make their very special scone recipe. So we're going to have hot Maybe dogs scone. and scones. And then I do have some candy and I have some popcorn. So we just have a variety. People can like choose their Halloween adventure with us. And I think it'll be fun. Oh, yeah, I definitely have candy. Don't get it. Don't get it backwards. I have candy. I'm just trying to save enough money and work on my husband's heart so that one year I can be the full-size candy house. I know. That's what I really, it's my dream. It's just my dream, Beth. I share this dream, but I do not have faith in my husband being on board with the full-size candy Don't they want to be heroes? Don't we raise why to want to be heroes? (laughs) I thought that was the whole point of patriarchy. We have two very heroic guys in other ways. And if this is their downfall, I will accept it for sure. <laughs> but um, not me. I'm going to keep chipping away at it. One year, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the house. It's just like it's you just become me. legendary when you pass out the full Legends. You're legends. Yeah. <laughs> legends. That's what I want. That's what everybody deserves on Halloween. That's all I'm saying. Happy Halloween. Well, happy Halloween, everybody. I hope everybody enjoys it. We hope that you have the best spookiest halloween available to you we will be back in your ears on friday and until then keep it nuanced y'all hansu politics is produced by studio d podcast production Elise Knapp is our Managing Director. Maggie Pinton is our Director of Community Engagement. Xander Singh is the composer of our theme music with inspiration from original work by Dante Lima. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers. Martha Brunitsky. Allie Edwards. Janice Elliott. Sarah Greenup. Julie Haller. Tiffany Hassler. Emily Holliday. Katie Johnson. Katina Zuganellis-Kasling. Barry Kaufman. Molly Kors, Catherine Vollmer, Lori Ladau, Lily McClure, Linda Daniel, Emily Neasley, The Cousins, Tracy Putoff, Sarah Ralph, Jeremy Sequoia, Katie Steigers, Karen True, Annika Uveline, Nick and Elisa Valelli, Amy Whited, Emily Helen Olson, Lee Shea McDonough, Morgan McHugh, Jen Ross, Sabrina Drago, Becca Dorval, Christina Quartararo. Jeff Davis, the Adair family, Melinda Johnston, Michelle Wood, Nicole Berkless, Paula Bremer, and Tim Miller.